And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hope that you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my friend Eric Schaefer. Uh, it's always a good time talking to Eric. Uh, no coronavirus talk today. Taking a break this week from talking about coronavirus. Uh, we basically dedicated 45 minutes today to just trashing the corporate press. Um, from the press covering up sexual assault allegations against Joe Biden to praising genocidal communist mass murderers a, a lot a lot uh, the, the press has had a, a banner week uh, and we get into all of it uh, before we get to eric guys please follow us on twitter at no gimmicks pod please subscribe on itunes soundcloud google play or spotify uh, if you're on itunes please give us a five-star rating and a good review i'd really appreciate it all right without further ado here's my chat with eric schaefer All right, guys, we're here with Eric Schaefer. Eric, my brother, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Stop calling me your brother. We, I do this every time I come on your podcast, okay? I'm not your friend. I'm not your brother. Stop Stop doing that. Well, and because you're only like 14 years old, I'm technically old enough to be your father. So. <laughs> Dude, I do. I've, the, most, the biggest insult I've ever gotten from one of my friends was uh, he said I had a very effeminate voice, and I was, I was, I was hurt by that. I mean, and I, I guess feminine can mean young. I suppose. I mean, like the worst takes you have, the worse your takes on Twitter are, the younger I claim that you are. So if you have like a just a red hot okay. bullshit take, I mean, you might be thirteen by the end of the day. You never know. But... I well, okay. Do good takes age me up? Yes. I need to know if there's any incentive to be intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, then I'll have to be like uh, your all time favorite author david french in this episode then we will get to that my friend <laughs> oh boy so yeah before we get to uh my all-time favorite author david french uh we're not talking about the coronavirus at all today I'm, I'm burned out on coronavirus talk we're taking a break this week uh we're not we're not talking about it we're dedicating the entire show today to beating the crap out of the corporate press so one, one of our favorite uh collective activities eric but um let's start off with the big uh uh, the big news of the weekend. Uh, three days ago, the press reported that Kim Jong-un was dead. Uh, he's not. Um, I swear, man, like, how do these clowns ever get anything right? Like, a weatherman is correct more often than the corporate press. But uh, anyway, uh, not only did they report that the North Korean dictator is dead, uh, predictably, they turned to fawning over Kim's sister uh, and explaining how great it would be for a woman um, to be the dictator of a communist country. Explain who Kim Yo Kim Yo Jong is for the good folks at home. So Kim Yo Jong, and first off, I, I want to read off the headline that. So Brady and I are in a group chat together on Twitter. It's very exclusive. None of none of you are invited. Only cool kids. Anyways, uh, Brady and I are in a group chat on Twitter, and the thing that really set me off on this issue yesterday was specifically a headline by Bloomberg, and I want to read this headline. The article is just as bad and as pandering, and it goes into some facts on Kim Yo-jong and, and some important information, which I find, find valuable. But overall, 
while it listed some of her, I guess you could call it qualifications and experience to run a communist dictatorship, it was a pandering piece of tripe. And I feel like the headline really sets it apart. So the headline for this Bloomberg article was, quote, and I'm going to read this in my best Libby journalist voice. Will a woman run North Korea? Kim's sister outshines male rivals. Think about that shit for a second. I'm sorry, like, I, I can't. Now, for most people out there, I'll get into Kim Yo-jong's qualifications and her life experience, and I'll, I'll also be probably getting so angry that I break down exactly why North Korea is so evil. But North Korea is one of the most evil regimes in existence today. Yes. And I feel like the American people in general, they say that, but it's a dead dogma to say that. No one knows why North Korea is the most evil regime to exist today. We've just been raised to, to believe that. At this point, I think for the American public, there's something that's out there in the ether, but that shouldn't really concern us. They're like our, our James Bond villain stroking a white puppy cat. But at the end of the day, we don't really care about them too much. We just know they're supposed to be bad. And the media, the people who are supposed to be our intellectual betters, they should know better than to glorify someone like Kim Yo-jong. They should know better than to dismiss North Korea, as they usually do, to just a regime to worry about when they're building a new nuclear warhead. A nuclear warhead, by the way, I, I have to get this out of the way first, because when the media talks about North Korea, they only talk about nukes. They, they either talk about nukes or they, they talk about when one of their leaders dies, like, the, like what's happening now. Let me get this straight. Do I want North Korea to have a nuke? No. If they were to get an ICBM, would I be concerned for us? No. There's no reason. I, I'm sorry. There is little reason for us in the Americas to be concerned about our own personal safety. And that is the reason why most people are concerned about North Korea's nuclear weapons program. If North Korea were to build an ICBM, that little fucker would be shot out of the sky about 100, 200 miles off the coast. Like, it wouldn't get close. So this, this whole thing about worrying about North Korea getting nukes that could strike the U.S. isn't the big problem. The bigger issue is North Korea getting nukes that could strike South Korea, which they already have. So anyways, let's, sorry about that. I had to break that down for a second just to say initially why the press is so fucking stupid in their coverage of North right. Korea. But let's break down the woman they've been shilling for and they've been fawning over since the 2018 Olympics. And I'm actually writing an article about this for a media outlet, so stay tuned. But Kim Yo-jong, so she is in North Korea – the head of the, I believe it is called the Propaganda and, and, oh, what is it? It's basically the Propaganda Department in North Korea. Imagine the Propaganda Department in, in Nazi Germany. That's what she's the head of in North Korea. It's the Propaganda and Something Department. I, it has something to do with, like, force, basically, like, forcing that propaganda on, on the people. Basically, her job is to create and disseminate propaganda to the North Korean people. She's in charge of the agency, which goes around essentially censoring news outlets, creating disinformation campaigns, brainwashing the people into thinking the Kim family are literal gods, and that is a thing. Everyone kind of, again, makes fun of that because the interview made fun of that, but they are legitimately taught that Kim Jong-un, Kim Yo-jong, Kim Jong-il, Kim Il-sung are, are these almost near-omnipotent beings. They're taught that Kim Jong-un has no asshole because he burns the energy from the inside. That is a real thing. That's a real thing! They learned that Kim Jong-un was learned to drive at, like, the age of two. They learned that when he was born, apparently it was, like, on a mountainside and a rainbow descended from above and one lone stork flew overhead to signify the coming of a new king. That that shit is what they learned. Yep. They literally 
they learn that their rulers are gods. Kim Yo-jong is in charge of not just that information, not just t basically deciding what is and is not fit for the North Korean people to read, what is not fit it, what is and is not fit for the North Korean people to learn. She chooses what goes on news agencies. Her agency and her in in general are in charge of censoring newspapers. They so there's basically uh, three rounds of censorship in North Korea. They actually have this shit in rounds. So the first round of censorship is just for the editor, let's say, of, of, if it's a newspaper, of the newspaper. And then the second and third round of, of censorship are for the, uh, the, her, the Ministry of Propaganda or whatever the hell. I can't remember the official agency name, but it's for this Ministry of Propaganda for to, to decide. And by the way, this, this shit is not really supposed to be a public branch of the North Korean government. So, like, for example, whenever they censor something on a news program or on a TV show, usually – so this Ministry of Propaganda remains relative, relatively secret. They'll blame that censorship or the agency that will take responsibility for that censorship will be this thing in North Korea called the Ministry of Culture, which is basically a front for this Ministry of Propaganda. And again, the agency that she runs literally has propaganda in the name. Yeah, but Eric, Eric, so you know Eric, 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 but real quick, she has a vagina. And oh, yeah. so I've, I've been oh, told, I've been told by the American press that if you have a vagina, you're better than someone who doesn't have a vagina. So she's cool, though, she's, right? Oh yeah, she. No, uh, yeah, she's she's fantastic. No, she's evil. She's evil in the sense that, for one, again, running the propaganda outlet in North Korea. Again, just to paraphrase here, because I know I went into a long tangent there. Literally in charge of every disinformation campaign, every round of censorship, every piece of misinformation fed to the North Korean people, she is in charge of it. She is in charge of defending her brother's image. That is what she does. She is quite literally – and I don't know why and no other conservative out there has drawn this comparison yet. I'm not saying they're not doing a good job calling out the media, but she is, again, quite literally North Korea's version of Joseph 100%. Goebbels. 100%. Would the media say Joseph Goebbels was – was revolutionary for the 1940s if Joseph Goebbels had boobs and a vagina. I don't think so. I don't know, man. So why are at, they at this her? At this point, I don't even know anymore. Uh, so, all right, now that we've gotten into that, she's also, by the way, just real quick side note for people who think she's just getting involved in North Korean government. She was also a uh, alternate on the Politburo during Kim Jong-il's reign. She was a favorite of Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un's father, and she was pretty involved in his regime as well. So she knows shit that's going on there. There have been experts that say she's smart. She's decided for the praise that I can give her. Listen, I've said before, evil people can still be smart. They've said she's smart. She's decisive. She's cunning. And one expert, I think over at Forbes said, there's no telling how much power she's built behind the scenes. So that being said, she's very clearly not some new, this, this, not some, some new revolutionary bringing in of power for female leaders everywhere. She is a tyrant, just like all other tyrants before her in North Korea, and if she ends up, up taking over North Korea, if the media really takes this as the opportunity to say, look how women are progressing, or they take the opportunity to bash the U.S. for not having a female leader yet, as some members of the media have, shame on them because they're sick in the head, and I'm outright willing to say that. So wait, wait, also, so this is, but you're breaking huge news here, man. So this is, the, I mean, you're really, heads are exploding all across the country listening to you talk. You're trying to make the point that this satanic communist mass murderer is actually worse than Donald Trump. See, that's hard to believe. I, I've been told that there's no one worse than Donald Trump on the, fa on the face well, of the it's earth. It's a very, 
very hard bar. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very high bar to jump over to be worse than Donald Trump, but I really think she hurdles it. Um, and, and this is the thing that I really wanted to talk about on your show in how they're fawning over, because I, I messaged you yesterday in a rage, <laughs> yes. Brady can speak to this, that you I did. wanted to yes. bash the media on his show. So uh, to, to put into context just how evil this North Korean regime is, again, this, and this is why I brought up the nukes, I, so we're coming full circle here. When the press talks about North Korea, they only talk about nukes and that's it. North Korea is one of the most evil regimes of all, of all time. When the press sees a possible the, the possibility, because Kim Jong Un likely isn't dead, but it is coming out more and more information is coming out that he's possibly in a vegetative state, and I would believe that if that eventually was the case. And if he's in a vegetative state, this this uh, Miss Jong, uh, Miss Kim Yo Jong will still take over, most likely ninety percent. I give it a ninety percent chance she takes over. Let's talk about the atrocities that happen in North Korea. So we, for those of you who are a little more educated on the issue, you probably heard. North Korea has gulags, and that's about it, which everyone would say is bad, but they don't really know what goes on in there. So let's talk about some of the things that go on in there. There was a report released by the International Bar Association on, on War Crimes Committee uh, a while back, and they reported on, on the atrocities that happen in some of these gulags. So, and by the way, one of the people on these committee, which I think presented their findings to Congress, was a former Auschwitz survivor. Right. Uh, and this Auschwitz survivor told the Washington Post that the gulags he had the, – the, the stories he had heard from the gulags, from the con comprehensive interviews he'd had with defectors, both victims and guards alike, was – gave him reason to believe that the gulags in North Korea are as bad or even worse than Auschwitz, than the Nazi camps he experienced as a child. This report said, quote, there's sufficient – evidence to establish that perpetrators ranging from Kim Jong-un to lower-level prison guards perpetrated and continue to perpetrate crimes against humanity in North Korean political prison camps. So basically, everyone in the North Korean government, from prison guards to the leader himself, knows what's going on in these camps. Camps that are just as bad as Nazi concentration camps. Number one, do we ever hear about the press reporting on these concentration camps on mainstream TV? No. There was an article about this in NBC. There's been articles articles about it in the Washington Post. There's been articles about it in the New York Times. That's fine. But like with the Uyghurs, I discussed the Uyghurs on the show, and we'll discuss them in a bit too, I'm sure, later on, because I want to talk about that too when bashing the press. But like with the Uyghurs, the press can technically say, oh, we've covered it before, but they don't do it anywhere that matters. No. They'll bury the article 20 pages into their here's the news of the day section. They'll bury it so it never gets re-promoted again. It's a one-off story to them. So when they cover these North Korean concentration camps and the atrocities that happen, happen there, they, they don't get into the actual meat of why people should care. Oh, North Korean concentration camps are bad. Okay, maybe you get people to care a little more when you say they're as bad as Nazi camps. Let's talk about what exactly happens there. So according to just a few survivor experiences, North Korean women in the camps are, and, and I guess, you know what, I'll say trigger warning, because I do know some rape and sexual assault victims out there do get re-traumatized when they hear about some of this stuff. North Korean women in the camps are raped brutally. Some exchange sexual favors, by the way, which is still sexual assault because the camp work conditions in the camp are as brutal as Nazi German concentration camps. But some women will exchange sexual favors for lighter work. If the women are pregnant, the guards will escort them away and secretly execute them in private. There's also been fine.
findings, according to various survivors that come from the camps, that after these pregnant women are killed, their fetuses are fed to dogs. So they basically kill the women and they feed their unborn babies or possibly born babies that they wed through or that they, they bore through rape to dogs. All the guards get in these situations, in the rare cases the guards are punished, they're just dismissed from that current post. That's it. It's the only punishment they get, which you shouldn't expect much more from people who are literally putting others in concentration camps. So if newborn babies are being fed to guard dogs. Unborn fetuses are being fed to guard dogs. Women are raped and then being killed in the camps. People are being starved to death. And I, 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 don't, rem I don't remember where I read this, but I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, someone out there, but I believe there were reports that people are so malnourished that they're resorting to, in ca certain cases, I believe, again, not sure on this one, but that they're resorting to cases of cannibalism and, uh, uh, like, of dead bodies and or trying to find rats to eat in the camps. Uh, people are executed, st who are starving, by the way, starving to death because the North Korean regime hardly gives these people who are working long, arduous days. That's their labor camps. They're giving them hardly anything to eat. They're malnourished. You can be executed, executed just for being caught digging for edible plants on mountainsides. Family members, according to one survivor in the camps, are made to execute their own relatives by stoning. So this is according to a, a survivor, and that'll be almost done here. This is according to a 29-year-old defector and survivor named Park Joo Young. He, he grew up in one of the North Korean prison camps. He was there for more than two decades. He also confirmed the stories about guards raping and killing prisoners and then feeding their fetuses and babies to dogs. He said that uh, – let me find this quote real quick. He said he witnessed public executions where family members were required to stone a relative to death. He said – Executions also involved, quote, thousands of stones or prison-wide involvement with prisoners returning to a line and engaging in repeated stoning. Prisoners would threaten, were threatened with execution daily, and they would be threatened with execution if they didn't comply. Quote, people would throw their rocks hard. Each time the rock would hit the victim, their bodies would burst with blood. Their flesh would fall off until you could see their bones, and they would die without execution by gun. So... The, by the way, as the, a member of the Kim family and as the head of the propaganda and disinformation department, she certainly knows about this because part of her job is to cover it up. So why – I'm sorry for yelling, but why the fuck is the media praising this woman? Why the fuck is the why – why can the media only find – when they talk about things to say about her, why can the media only say, oh, it's such a revolutionary achievement or it's such a revolutionary uh, development, I should say – for a woman to possibly be in charge of North Korea. Look how much more qualified she is than her male peers. Fuck off. This is evil. And the media engaging in this willful, willful blind, uh, this willful blind, willfully blind engagement with her, this willful, willful ignorance toward the evils that happen in North Korea, that is immoral in, in and of itself when it happens, when they only are willing to talk about nukes when it comes to North Korea. But what makes it especially immoral and evil is when they're talking about one of the leaders as if she's a fucking supermodel screw them there th th I, I just can't believe it i can't believe there's a lot of things the media does that i can't believe legitimately they do a lot of bad things and i don't say this lightly this is quite possibly one of the worst most evil things they could they have ever done it's literally like saying if, if joseph goebbels had boobs and a vagina oh my god look how revolutionary it's the same exact thing you're absolutely right and you're absolutely right i, I don't even really have much to add to that 
but if anybody, if, if anybody in the audience at this point, I mean, I think most conservatives came around to agreeing with President Trump that the press is the enemy of the people around maybe 2018, around the Brett Kavanaugh stuff. But if anybody's still on the fence, this is what I'm talking about when I call the press the enemy of the people. I mean, they, they, they'll they side with this. They will side with literally worse than Auschwitz over the president of the United States. I mean, it's it's amazing. They'll, they'll side with the most evil people on the face of the earth because orange man bad. So that's what I'm talking about when I call the press the enemy of the people. This is your media. If you're an American citizen, this is your press. These are your journalists. It's absolutely fucking disgraceful. You're, you're 100% right. And I want to give another example real quick of uh, the press this week uh, exposing themselves as the enemy of the American people. Uh, just a, there's a long list, but here's another example of the press's evil and corruption. Joe Biden, as most people know, uh, has been accused of sexual assault by a former staffer, a woman named Tara Reid. Uh, the situation, I, I don't know if he's guilty or not, by the way. I'm not, I honestly haven't looked into it too closely. I have no idea one way or the other. Maybe he done it, maybe he didn't. Who knows? But the situation got more interesting over the weekend when footage of a Larry King live show from 1993 resurfaced where Tara Reed's mother, the accuser's mother, called in to Larry King live on CNN uh, to ask him for advice regarding her daughter being sexually assaulted by a prominent senator which, of course, Joe Biden was at the time. What did CNN do? Did they try to interview Joe Biden and ask him about the allegations? No. They deleted the footage from their archives. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Biden may or may not have sexually assaulted this poor girl. I have no idea. But the fact that the only thing CNN cares about is defeating Donald Trump, they do not care about the truth. Enemy of the people. They are the enemy of the people. Disgusting stuff. So much for hashtag Me Too. It, uh, I what what frightens me too is there are some people. Uh, one of the Krasenstein Bros. I think unless it wasn't holy him, crap. I, I totally forgot that they existed. My goodness. Yeah, one of the Krasenstein Bros. was on Twitter. Maybe not. May or may not have been him. I th- because I know his accounts got banned a while ago. But I, I'm pretty sure it was Ed Krasenstein or something. And anyways, one of them was tweeting out saying that there's so many holes in the story. I mean, look, this woman was was like there are some Democrats using this too. The reason I bring up the Krasensteins is this is one of the arguments that, that I'm seeing coming from the left more generally. Is oh my god! But look, this woman praised Joe Biden after apparently the alleged sexual assault on his dealing. I think it was with sexual assault victims and rape victims. I think everyone forgets that during the Me Too saga, most of the women, let's say, because the guy who kicked this whole thing off, Harvey Weinstein, most of the women who Harvey Weinstein sexually abused maintained a professional, if not friendly, public relationship with. Him. Oh yeah, and he was one. He is. To this date, one of the worst serial abusers in in American media. So why is it then that no one, when Harvey Weinstein is being accused, and by the way, I'm not defending Harvey Weinstein. He 100% did it. I'm more so pointing out the hypocrisy of now saying that Joe Biden most certainly didn't do it. Why didn't anyone say, look at Harvey Weinstein's victims. They were all friends with him. The reason they were friends with him was because, one, he could have ruined their career, and two, he unjustly and evilly exerted his power over them to keep them silent. So that's why they maintain professional and friendly relationships with him in the public eye. But why did no one bring that point up? But now, because it's Joe Biden, everyone is. Because Orange Man bad. I'll tell you why. Orange Man bad. They never—it's because— 
it's because Orange Man bad, and it's because I think the left genuinely, they genuinely, when they tried to co-opt Me Too, they never believed all women. The left never believed all women. And I'm sure I'm going to sound like a, uh, a a regurgitator of other conservatives who are saying this, but the, a lot of leftists believe that it's believe we all women when it's convenient. And right now it's not politically convenient. And you know what? It's really, really easy to ditch the evidentiary standards of your own movement. And I, I hate to call Me Too the left's movement because I really think it was at the very beginning an amazing thing, but I think it's been largely co-opted by politically bad actors. Uh, but it, it's really easy to ditch the evidentiary standards of the very, very movement that you claim when you can mix Russian fear-mongering with a healthy dose of whataboutism. Because now a bunch of leftists are saying, we got a Trump sexually assaulted a bunch of women. By the way, I'm sure he did. It's one of the reasons why I, I'm exceptionally hesitant, if not totally unwilling to vote for him in 2020, because that just doesn't meet my moral qualifications. I know you'll have an issue with, with me saying I, I may not vote for him, but it, it, my whole thing is, okay, if Donald Trump sexually assaulted women, why does it make it okay when Joe Biden does? I thought the whole point was it's bad. So why are we now just accepting that as, as good, or not good, but as behavior which we can overlook of, of a politician? And it's it's not. It's not behavior we can overlook ever, and I think everyone needs to remain consistent here. And so far, the media, obviously, with CNN taking down that 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 archive, and the left in general, are being very poor at their consistency. Well, I mean, it, in all fairness, too, the, there's much more evidence that this alleged assault took place. I have no idea if he did it or not, but there's a heck of a lot more evidence against Joe Biden than there ever was against uh, President Trump uh, at any point in his life regarding sexual assault or anything like that. But uh, the thing is, you know, remember when Donald Trump said when he was campaigning in 2015 or 2016 he could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and wouldn't lose any support? Like, obviously that's not true. But honest to God, I think it's true in the Democratic Party. Like, I, I, I really think if Joe Biden just murdered somebody or raped somebody, the Democrats would still support him. I mean, I think they only care about defeating Republicans. I think that's, I mean, you remember uh, in the 90s, what was, I forget, the former head of uh, Planned Parenthood said she would give Bill Clinton a blowjob right now if, as long as he keeps abortion legal. I mean, that, that's how these, that's how the left thinks. I mean, they, they're singularly focused on winning <laughs> the culture war, winning, you know, getting their policies enacted. They, they don't care. They, they legitimately don't care. And like, you know, a lot of Trump supporters have looked the other way uh, when Trump will do something stupid, and I don't. I mean, I call him out when he does something stupid, but, you know, so th obviously there's a little bit of that on both sides, of course. It's not like Republicans are, are without any fault there, but I think it's much more extreme on the left, man. I think it's much more extreme. I mean, even going back to Harvey Weinstein, obviously after the Ronan Farrow stuff broke and, and uh, people started coming forward, you know, it was all over for him at that point, but all of Hollywood knew who this guy was for decades and covered it up. Like, they didn't care. They didn't care if he was raping women. They just wanted him to make a bunch of money for all their studios and put out awesome movies. They do not care. And they don't. I don't think the left cares if Joe Biden's a rapist or not. I don't think it matters to them at all. So when, I'm going to ask you to define your terms. When you say the left, who exactly are you referring to? The press. Okay. All right. Yeah, so I was about to say, I'm sure that— No, not not not, not I, your uncle who's, you know, a, a hardworking 
church-going <laughs> union member Democrat. Okay, there no. we go. Well, then I, I, I think we always need when we're accused. The, the only reason I ask is, you know, when, when we're accusing people of heinous actions, I always like to define people, my terms. So people no living in New idea. York, D.C., or Los Angeles. I don't even think people, people in general living in D.C., New York, and Los Angeles. I'm sure the corporate press and politicians, if they knew for sure that Joe Biden had raped or killed someone— uh, killing, I don't know, but rape, I, I will just, I'm going to say, I, I don't know. And I'm saying that by the way of the Republican establishment, establishment as well. I don't know. These, in general, the morals of politicians and celebrities are very questionable. Right. So if they knew for sure, for sure that Trump or Biden had sexually assaulted someone, I'm saying uh, when I say Trump, I'm refer referring to the Republican establishment. Uh, I'd agree with you. I'd say I'd be very... I'd be very un. I'd be exceptionally surprised if they cared. I'll put it that way. In regards if, to murder, if Trump, if Trump was a rapist, you you don't think Republican politicians would care? I it, it it depends who you bring it up to. Like if you brought it up to someone like Ted Cruz, I'm sure Ted Cruz would care. But we're talking about the people who are going to get Trump elected, and with the very like we're talking again also about the establishment. If you're going to go to the establishment and eat in either political party. No, I, I, I'd be surprised if they did anything about it, if they were sure, because I mean, this is kind of like a moral philosophical dilemma. If you went to them and said, it's never going to go public, but hey, corporate press, hey, establishment in the DNC, hey, establishment in the RNC. And again, when I'm talking about establishment, I don't even think I'm talking about Mitch McConnell. I'm talking about party foundational leadership, because those are the people that get him elected. You go to them and you say, hey, your guy definitely raped someone, but there's no way anyone's ever going to find out about it how do you feel I'd be, I'd be surprised i'd be surprised on either side if they did and this isn't me being a fence sitter it's just listen i i am not even the most experienced person in gop politics i was very lightly involved in only local politics and i still met some really shitty people who i could say for oh, certain so have I. Uh, if they oh, knew, i'm not they wouldn't i'm care. not defending these party bosses I, I, there's another point for the sake of fairness Obviously, the Democratic establishment is 10 times as powerful as the Republican establishment. I mean, the Democratic Party is just a more powerful party. Oh, yeah, yeah, They but control I'm their members a lot better than the Republican Party does. And obviously, the Democratic establishment includes 97% of the press, too, that are just, yeah. you know, all they do is read DNC talking points. So it's it's kind of a different situation, but— all right, so we got to move on because well, we, we got to move on. I'm just saying in terms of whether they care. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I hope you're wrong. Maybe you're right. I don't know. But certainly it's true that the left doesn't care about the, the quality of their or the morality of their candidates. I'm sure some people on the right, but I don't think it's as widespread on the right as it is in the left, I guess would be my only point. No, my whole thing is I think the average voter of uh, the average left wing voter, not even the average left wing voter. I think the citizens, not people involved in the press or politics, citizens living in L.A., D.C., and New York, I think they care if you produced literally unrefutable proof. Because the issue with both, and again, I'm not trying to be a fence-sitter, this is just human psychology. The issue with, with Democrats and Republicans is that once you become committed to your ideology and once you become committed to tribal partisan party politics, you, you become so convinced in your side's rightness, you become so convinced in your candidate, even if your candidate sucks, even if he can't finish a sentence, even if, if he makes a gap every five seconds, and that one goes to both Trump and Biden on the campaign trail. Even if they make a gap every five or ten minutes, 
you still are ardently, even if they have bad accusations against them, you're not going to look at it objectively because that's your guy. You're not going to look at it objectively unless you have like concrete proof. proof. For example, Baltimore Raven fans, I think it was Ray Rice who beat his wife on the elevator, yeah. right? Baltimore Raven fans weren't believing that Ray Rice was a domestic abuser until the video on the elevator came out. So well, I, think I mean, we I think can, you the, can even one-up that. I mean, Patriots fans did the same thing with uh, Aaron Hernandez. Exactly. So I, I think, and by the way, there's still a bunch of Patriots fans that cling to, not a, a majority, but there's still a good chunk of them that are clinging to the, this belief that Aaron Hernandez was innocent. So my whole thing there's is— There's a few. I think that the Netflix documentary— kind of weeded out most of those people (laughs) it had to it had to have an effect yeah no i I agree with you but what i'm saying is if you came out with a video of joe biden sexually assaulting someone like 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 you know what i mean like raping someone or forcing himself on someone or i I think most voters would care enough to the point where they'd say i'm not going to vote for that you better find me someone else but until that would happen like with right what we're seeing right now with the allegations yeah i i don't think most of the corporate press is going to care. And I don't, I don't think the average left-wing voters going to care just because not because they're immoral or anything, but just because since there's, there's not this irrefutable undenying proof that's out there, the press isn't going to report on it objectively, or you're going to have CNN <laughs> overtly covering right. it up. So, All right. So look, we're, we're running out, that, that's we're running I, out of time. And uh, I'm going to have to cut a couple things that uh, I want to talk about. But there's a couple more points that I have to make before I let you go, man. Um, this is just a funny, like, this isn't necessarily evil, like uh, the behavior of the press in the first two topics on this show. Uh, obviously, covering up this this CNN video and then obviously praising uh, North Korea. That's just pure, unadulterated, just godless evil. Um, so this doesn't really qualify as evil. But just to show how out of touch the press is with with the rest of the country, like it is funny, like all the press, they all live in either D.C., New York or Los Angeles, and they don't they're all wealthy and white and liberal and they don't really know what America is actually like. So this was just a hilarious op ed in The Washington Post this morning. Let me find it. OK, here's from today from The Washington Post. Quote, the key to escaping lockdown, sleep in your guest room and pretend you're on a trip. Unquote. <laughs> I live in an 800 foot square foot house. OK, my, my spare bedroom is the office that both my wife and I both work in all day. Okay, I don't have a guest room. OK, like most Americans don't have a guest. If you have kids, you don't have a guest room. Your extra bedrooms are called your kids' bedrooms. <laughs> like, I've never lived in a house where I had a guest room my entire life. Most of my friends do not have guest rooms. Most Americans don't have a guest room. Okay? They have a small house, just big enough for their family. That's how most Americans live. It just the, They're so in their bubble. They're rich, white, elite, coastal bubble. They don't even know how the rest of us live, you know, outside of the beltway. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... Guys, do you do you hear yourself? Like you 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 try to be the party and the people of the little guy, you know the forgotten man. You're not. <laughs> You're a bunch of rich white elites who have no idea how we actually live. And in, in say you know Ohio, bro, I have like a one bedroom loft. Literally, my whole apartment is one room. The only, right. the only other room I have is my bathroom. Do they want me to sleep in my shower? The Washington Post wants <laughs> you to sleep in your shower. Yes. 
all right, I, I'll try it tonight. I'll tell you if it helps my uh, quarantine isolation. But no, it, it, it's it's truly ridiculous. And I also I think because you said this came from a columnist uh, when we started the show, uh, like before we started filming. The, the whole thing to me is it shows how disconnected these columnists are, even from the people who are lower than them on the totem pole in their companies. Right, right. Do you know how much beat reporters, regular journalists, even regular writers, like people who just write the straight news articles, get paid? They get paid shit. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. They're probably living in the ghetto in New York yep. in a one-bedroom apartment like me. Yeah. So they're disconnected not just from the average Americans, but from the people they work with. And it it's it's honestly baffling to me. It's hilarious, man. It's just, these people are so out of touch. It's It's absolutely insane. One last point, and you mentioned David French when we started off the show. And David French is a oh, guy God. who I've respected for a long time. I've, I listen to, I don't think he has a podcast anymore, but he had a podcast. I used to listen to it a lot, and I've been reading his columns for a decade at this point at least. One of the most annoying developments regarding the press is the behavior of the never-Trumpers. Okay, The fact that the never-Trumpers routinely side with the corporate press over... Donald Trump or over conservatism, over conservatives or Trump voters generally. David French wrote a piece for the Dispatch last week defending the press. <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing. I'm not going to read the whole piece. I'm paraphrasing. He essentially said, you know, conservatives' attacks on the press are lazy, you know, and the real problem is Trump, not the press. Nope. That ain't it, man. That that ain't it, bud. Look, David French, vote for whoever you want. I don't care. I don't. I do not care who David French votes for. He lives in Tennessee. His vote doesn't matter anyway. Okay, it does not matter. Trump will win Tennessee by 20 points, no matter what David French does. I don't really care. But do not side with the corporate press. You don't have to like Trump. You don't have to vote for Trump. You can hate Trump. You cannot side with the corporate press over Donald Trump. You cannot side with these evil, godless psychopaths that praise Kim Jong Un's sister. You can't do that. You yeah. cannot do that. You cannot side with the people covering up rape ap- accusations for the Democratic nominee. You can't side with these people. Yes, I know you don't like the orange man because he's fat and white and orange and mean and fat and orange and white and mean. I get he's those things. <laughs> for the love of God, do not side with these communist apologists. The same people that went to Moscow and said we've seen the future and it works. The same few, the same people that covered up the Holocaust. Covington Catholic. Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, come on. No. Our, conservatives attacking the press are not lazy. They're accurate. And if you if you side with the press, you're not my ally. Like that's like that's like my one litmus test. Do you want to burn down the corporate press and salt the earth where it once stood? If you want that. You're my friend. If you don't, you're not. I think that I don't have a lot of litmus tests in politics, man. You know that. But hatred yeah. of the press is one of them. Yeah, I don't know. Like my whole thing with French is, like a lot of other conservative thinkers, there's areas in discourse where he's lost his way because of his hatred of Trump. My issue, not even issue. My thing with French is, though, I still highly respect him as someone who can talk about domestic policy, probably the best out of most conservative thinkers out there, especially on abortion. It's just that, and I don't think he's abandoned his conservative roots like Bill Crystal or Tom Nichols, who have come out in favor of things like, like a, a more stringent gun. Right. Control. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not, I know. Yeah. And there's, there are levels and I, we should clarify there are like levels to being a never Trumper. There's like, 
the the people yeah. that didn't vote for him in 2016 because they you know he's a huge question mark and grab him by the pussy and, and all that stuff and then they're like all right well I may or may not vote for him this time around he didn't destroy the country or whatever that's like level one level two is like the frothing at the mouth hatred like David French but he's still a conservative and then there's like the full Trump derangement syndrome Bill Crystal where like he's essentially a socialist now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like exactly. He hates Trump so much, he's a commie. So it's like, okay, like, yeah, I'm, David French is not that bad, obviously. He's not Jen Rubin, but he's obviously not as, he's much worse than, say, a Ben Shapiro, who kind of just calls it how he sees it, you know? No, yeah, Ben Shapiro's level one. Uh, but it, it, I don't even think he's A-level anymore. I mean, he stated outright he's going to vote for him. But my, my, so the, my whole thing with David French is, are his takes on Trump bad a lot of the time, not even on Trump, on enemies of Trump. I should say that, yes. Because some of the enemies of Trump are legitimately bad people. Yes. And we shouldn't just all of a sudden uh, uh, canonize them because they are an enemy of 100%. Trump. Do I think some of his takes on Trump just being an asshole are good takes? Yeah, yeah. I, I have a lot of similar takes to French on Trump's moral character, believe it or not. But the issue is you can't. I think the issue with French is I think he's coming at this with the philosophy of, even if he's not willing to admit it, of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, no, the enemy of your enemy, can, as Ben Shapiro has said and as countless thinkers in history have said, the enemy of my enemy can still be your enemy. Yes. Just because the enemy of, of Nazi Germany was Soviet, the Soviet Union in World War II and we had to temporarily ally with them didn't make them our friend. And it should have never made them our friend. The fa I think FDR calling Stalin Uncle Joe is one, is one of the biggest mistakes by a president in the 40s or not in the 40s i'm sorry in that era of, of the night in the early to mid 1900s 100%. era it, it humanized him far too much to the point where the american people weren't as willing as they should have been to turn against him on the spot right. i mean he, he, so, he killed 20 million people the the funny like the, the funniest thing about french um and it, you took the words out of my mouth with the enemy of my enemy point and that's a very but that's a very good point but david french is a constitutional lawyer uh, and somebody whose his beat is like abortion and religious liberty. The corporate press hates him. <laughs> like the like they they hate David French. Like his skill set, his beat is what they hate the most. They are they worship at the altar of abortion, and they hate God. <laughs> okay, so it's like the press wants David French dead, and he hates Trump so much that he defends them. It's so strange. Like it, it's just like, it just from a strategic point, it makes absolutely no sense. It's like he's he's so drunk on his hatred of the president that he doesn't even realize the words coming out of his own mouth. Like it is, it's it's just fast. It's fascinating. Psychologically, it's fascinating well, to me. Much like with the press, I like to take the same tact I take with Trump, which is calling balls and strikes. I'm going to call them out on all the numerous times they're wrong, but when they're right, okay, fine, I'll give them a little bit of credit. The same thing with Trump. When he's wrong, I'll call him out. I'll call him out for being an asshole. And when he's right, I'll tell him he's right. The main issue I had with David French's piece is it seemed to suggest that the corporate – I don't even like using the corporate press. The mainstream media, because that, that draws a negative connotation to corporations, that the mainstream media is is in general good. And no, media, media as a concept, free media as a concept and in practice, that is what's good. Outlets like there can be outgrowths of that though that are not good actors. CNN, MSNBC, NBC—they're not just because they're an outgrowth of free press does not mean and they shouldn't be forcibly 
shut down or anything. I'm a free speech person through and through, obviously. But just because they're an outgrowth of this idea of freedom of the press does not make them inherently good. 100%. And I think French fails to realize that. No, that's 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 absolutely that's absolutely the case. I'm way over time, and I gotta let you go. <laughs> we we'll do this again soon. Okay. Uh, we'll do this again soon and beat up on the press even more uh, next time. Everybody, follow Eric on Twitter at Real Eric Schaefer. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Thank you.